Check my statistics If we talking about go, You gotta give me a mention This is rational hour If we being realistic This is rational They said I couldn't do it But I did it work Ethic like mom But you know that boy is a problem Tell me when to get him Then I got him This is rational hour I'm just keeping it a honey This is rational hour Everything you doing I done done it Welcome to the Rational Hour with Ryan, where we talk sports. I have a very special guest on the show, Mr. Seth Kimbrell. Welcome to the show, my man. Thank you, Ryan. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, Seth is with the Clipperholics uh, podcast. Uh, he's a good overall insight as far as basketball knowledge. We're going to talk the world of the NBA today. Now, Seth, man, looking at the landscape of the NBA the early MVP voting just came out this weekend. It's a usual suspects, LeBron, Jokic, Curry, Anthony Davis. Um, no Greek freak, surprisingly. LeBron is uh, the league candidate right now. And very well at his age. He just had a birthday. He turned 36. Now, do you think LeBron can sustain this as going into his career? At, at this, what is this, his 17th year? Stuff like that. How do you see that playing out? Can he play with his son? Can he go into his 40s? You know, I think he can. Um, I've I have lost a lot of fake money betting against LeBron throughout a throughout kind of the late teens of his of his career. So at this point, I'm not going to bet that he's slowing down until I actually see it happening. Um, and you know, if Carl Malone can play forever, then I see LeBron kind of following those that same sort of career path, right, where he can really start to, to play down in the post as his as his speed and athleticism wanes a little bit. Yeah, Le- LeBron is just a freight train off the rails, man. The guy is built like a linebacker. And uh, it, we've never seen this where a guy has played this late into his career and been at this level. It's, it's, it's you know, you got to give your respect and your hat off to a guy like that who's doing something we've never seen. So I, I agree with you. I think he can. Um, the Lakers are sitting right now at the top of the NBA at 8-3. What are your thoughts of the Lakers and the job that they're doing? Is there a chance you see them pulling the back-to-back? Um, you know, as a Clippers fan, it, it pains me to say it, but I think there is a good chance they pull it off. Um, just because they've got their big two in LeBron and Anthony Davis. Um, and it's hard to go against a, a pairing like that. You know, you got AD who's the best or second best big in the league, depending on, you know, how you feel about like a Jokic. Uh, and you've got LeBron who is still LeBron. Um, I think it's going to be harder for them this year. I think their roster makes a little less sense than it did last year, but um, I don't know. Again, it's sort of the same thing with LeBron where, where I'll believe they're not repeating when I see them lose an elimination game in the playoffs. And so far this yeah. season, they're showing how good they are. Yeah, it's it's really a good team. I think they don't, they're missing a big. I'm not sure about Gasol if he could be a factor long term. He's up there in age. Uh, that's the only weakness I really see with their team. I think if you have a like what the Clippers have with uh, Zoo and, and Ibaka, I think it makes it hard for the Lakers when you have a, a big man in the post like that that can make it hard for them to stop. So 
if you can do have a, a good wing defenders like what the Clippers have with Paul George and Kawhi, it'll make life a little bit more harder for them. Kind of hence what they did on opening night when the Clippers and Lakers played. Um, for sure. Now speaking of the, the Clippers, they're right under the Lakers at seven and four right now in the Western Conference. Um, when the Clippers played the Phoenix Suns the last weekend in Phoenix, they're, they're, Paul George got into a shouting match with Devin Booker and Chris Paul. <laughs> a lot of things coming out with, with the whole thing with PG. And he's playing at a really good level right now as far as the start of the season. How much of a factor will it be for the Clippers if PG is able to get to that level where he can be that type of player consistently into the playoffs? Do you think he can sustain that in the playoffs? Or do you believe in him to sustain it in the playoffs? Because we all know what happened in the bubble. And that was a big thing. We do. I think that, so I'll kind of answer that in two different ways. Uh, the first is if he does sustain this play, I think that the Clippers are the champions this year. Um, he adds just such a different dimension to this team. And if he's going off in addition to to Kawhi, it's, it's hard to stop that pairing. Now, will he sustain this play? I, I think so. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm scared with the Clippers because so many of their wins have come off of just flamethrower three-point shooting. Um, yeah. A lot of, you know, above 50% from deep sort of games. And a lot of that's on Paul George. Um, and I just had him pulled up. Let me let me grab him. But his three-point percentage is just something absurd this year. Yeah. And, and that's what scares is- me is when his shot isn't falling, can he find other ways to attack? Right. And that's the thing, Seth, because it seems like when he's down, he's down. And when he's up, he's up. It's no in-between. You know, and that's the thing with PG I'm really concerned about because he can kind of pull himself out of the dumps at times. It's kind of feast or famine with him. It's one or the other, but he has so much talent. I mean, the guy is just, it seems this year he has this um, really good step back shot that mm-hmm. I've never seen him do in his career that he's he seemed to have worked on in offseason. So, I mean, with this with his side, the athleticism, I think it's a, it's it's just a matter of him. I think with this, him getting married and having a little bit more of a stability lifestyle where he's kind of more mature with kids. I think all that factors into his progress. And I think now that he's 30, you'll start to see him be more mentally focused. I'm hoping that he has more consistent play where he's shaking off those past issues in the, in the postseason that uh, a lot of people talk about on Twitter and social media and that he can take the Clippers to the next level. It'll be very important. I think so. And I think Ty Lue is going to be really good, has been already and will continue to be. Um, one thing I found interesting with Paul George is they're really using him to facilitate the offense, especially early in games. So this year he's averaging five and a half assists a game and his previous best was a shade over four. So they're really letting him run the offense more than he ever has. Um, and I think that that could unlock him some, you know, letting him be a playmaker, let him, let him get good shots for other people instead of just being, you know, the spot up shooter or the pick and roll shooter that uh, that Doc had him playing. Right, and that was well <laughs> discussed with him <laughs> about he was used. That was a big thing, you know. So I, I think uh, Ty is that guy to kind of unlock those talents, and and he's a guy that will really help the continuity of the team as far as the rotation and keeping guys happy. Absolutely, Clippers did a really yeah, good Ty, job. Ty had the. Oh, sorry. No, no, I'm saying the Clippers did a really good job assembling the, the the staff around Ty that I think will keep the guys going. You know what I mean? 
for sure i'm i'm the most exciting thing about the offseason to me even more than grabbing Serge Ibaka, was the staff they put around Tyloo. Right. It's such a great coaching staff. Really good staff. Uh, Drew, I, I think uh, getting Dan Craig from Miami, I think was huge. He's a great defensive coach. Um, he won. For uh, sure. It was, I was pushing for him. I wrote a piece um, on Clipperholics saying that we should hire Dan Craig as our head coach before great. we hired Lou. Yes. So once we hired Ty Lou, I said, oh, you know, Dan Craig, he's somewhere else. We missed out on him. But then he's an assistant here, and it's like, oh, we got, we got the guy I wanted, and we got Ty Lue, which is incredible. Yeah, yeah, I was stoked. I mean, just to get him from Miami, he's a, he was a hot commodity in, in a lot of mm-hmm. head coaching, uh, you know, can, candidate circles. So him, and I think getting Billups, uh, I think Chauncey was, was a real good personality guy for the locker room for the Clippers, and uh, you know, Larry Drew's a veteran. He's been around long, you know, long time in the NBA. So. Yeah, absolutely. It's a whole new cast for them, and I think it's important because with with Doc, you know, I think it started to become a little bit of a white noise where it was just not being heard anymore. Even though I think he's a great guy and a great coach, uh, sometimes change is good, especially when you have a little bit of uncontinuity with the rock room and the whole exactly. issue and things like that. So, and I trust Lou to listen to his assistants more than I trust Doc to do that. Oh, that was that was the big complaint last year was that the analytics department was go, coming up to Doc and saying, you know, these lineups aren't working. And he was was not taking that advice. Really? And I think that I think that Lou will be more willing to, you know, listen to and accept advice and thoughts from from the rest of his staff. Well, I'm, I couldn't be more excited. OK, yeah, we'll see. I think. uh you um, got to watch the Clippers. I think they're going to be one of those teams, as expected to be, one of the top teams in the NBA overall. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think PG will be that guy, along with Kawhi and the rest of the additions like Ibaka. I think uh, Lou Kennard, um, you know, Lou Will, all those guys, they have the pieces in place to be a really, really good team, like they were last year, I thought. So I think the Clippers are going to be right there when it's all said and done. But, you know, the time has to play its course. So now for sure. We we uh go up to Northern California. Steph Curry, man, he, I mean the guy is just playing he's not shooting the ball that great, but he shows these games where you know it's sixty two the other night against Portland. Um the guy is just playing amazing. I mean uh now can the the Golden State Warriors be that team without Thompson, you think? How much of a contender do you see Golden State being? I really, I don't see them being much of a contender this year. Um, it's it's them being without Thompson and then all respect to the guy, but them being with uh, Andrew Wiggins. Hmm. It's just hard for me to see Wiggins being the second or third piece on a really, really good team. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's sort of the the extreme version of what you were saying before with Paul George, where there are games where it's like, oh, this is why this dude was so hyped, you know, coming into the league. And then there will be a game where I forgot he's on the court for 20 minutes. <laughs> um, yeah. And so all respect to Curry, too. I've been really frustrated by people talking about, you know, does this taint Steph Curry's legacy? Or, like, is Steph Curry really that good? Like, yeah, Steph Curry's really that good. He's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I just, you know, like Steve Kerr, there's a lot of talk, even with, you know, Luke Walton and Steve Kerr, like, you know, was it the Splash Brothers? How much were they coaching? 
that's why I feel it's a big thing with with him this year. How much can he get out of these guys? They're just now getting back Draymond Green. He hasn't really been himself yet. And then they got Kelly Oubre. Um, you know, Wiggins, this is a big year for him in his career. So Golden State, I don't know if they'll ever be what they were, you know, during that era. But I still think that Curry can be at that MVP level. And if he's able to get them over the hump and be that good, they might have to get a little bit more and more after Wiseman and, and Wiggins and guys like, you know, Lee. So it's it's going to take some time for them to to see where they're going to be. But I still have them as a top eight team in the West. Would you agree with them being a top eight team and making the playoffs? Oh, I think they'll be fighting for it. Um, but yeah, I think I would agree. I think I could see them in the playoffs as like a maybe a six or seven seed. Okay. Yeah, I think so. It's it's uh the West is so stacked, Seth. I mean that's the mm-hmm. thing. I mean. My top eight teams right now in the West, I have the Lakers at eight and three, the Clippers at seven and four, Phoenix at seven and four, Utah at six and four, Portland at six and four, and then I have Golden State at six and four. So that's my top six. And then Denver and Dallas round up the top eight. I have Denver at five and five and Dallas at five and four. Do you have any differences with your top ranked teams in the West? I do. Um so I agree with you at the top with the Los Angeles Lakers as the number one team. Um, I think that a lot of my my Clippers uh, family might uh, might get mad at me for this one. I have Denver at number two. Um, I think they're I think they're the second best team in the West right now, and I mostly think that because I think they have the MVP on their team in Jokic. Uh, that guy is is incredible, and. There's also sort of an element of of uh, something that Ric Flair used to say, that to be the man, you've got to beat the man. Mm-hmm. Well, last year, Denver beat everybody but the Lakers. Um, so I'm going to let them defend their title before I knock them down too much. And then I've got the Clippers at three. I've got Phoenix at four and Dallas at five. And then after that, you could kind of tell me, you know, Utah, Portland, Golden State, in any kind of order you wanted to. Yeah. And I wouldn't be too upset about it. Yeah, I like Denver a lot, especially with my boy Jermichael Green over there. And uh-huh. I, like, I like Porter a lot. They have, you're right, they have some really good pieces. I like Mike Malone as a head coach. Um, have you I seen just, what um what Jokic's average, what his stat line is this year? He's been it's, great. I mean, his whole career has just been, I mean, he's always been, to me, the best big and in, in, in passing big in the league. You know, he's mm-hmm. just incredible. Yeah, but he's right there. I think he's he's right there. That's why he's being MVP, you know, top three right now. And I just think Luka is the only one playing better than him. I mean, but, you know, Luka, when he is playing, he's, he's that guy, man. I mean, he is. On. He's incredible. I just need my guy to stop shooting threes as much as he does. <laughs> It's yeah. it's it hurts some of those step back threes he wants to launch. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's it's every night he's putting up these astronomical numbers, rebounding and passing and scoring. I mean, he's doing it. He's making it look easy, you know. Yes, yes. I he's uh he's proving all the doubters wrong who said that like he could, you know, yeah, he was great in Euro League, but like what will he be in the NBA? Yeah. He'll be this dude. Now it's kind of one of those trades with him and Trey Young that'll always go down. 
But I think mm-hmm. they'll both have great careers, right? I mean, it's just one of those things. It's kind of like... I think so, too. I think Atlanta uh, lucked out that they traded him for Trey Young because I'm trying to think of that draft. And Trey's got to be your second best guy in that draft, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it worked out for both teams. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just, you know, it, it, you, at that time, coming out of college, Nobody really knew what Luke was going to do. And it's such a you know hit or miss when you get players from overseas. You never know if it's what you're seeing. I mean, I've heard that so many times. I mean, mm-hmm. Rubio was supposed to be the next huge big thing. And, you know, it's just, it's, you know, time after time where there's guys can draft, they're supposed to be can't miss and they, and they miss, you know. Right. So, <laughs> things that you, you just have to, you know, roll the dice with. And they, they, they got the, the right role. So. I mean, Luca's doing an incredible. They did. I I wonder how many really bad draft picks there are going to be, because teams look at somebody in the future and say, "This guy's the next Luka Doncic." Because right. that's always what happens, right? It's like, who's the next yeah. guy? That's what happens, you know, Seth with with Trey, because everyone's saying he was going to be the next Seth Curry. Mm-hmm. So I mean, uh, you know, Steph Curry, that's Seth. Was, yeah, so it just because of the similarities in style, and that was the hot thing in the NBA. So they were trying to get that. Acrobatic shooter, right? And and he's not Steph, but he's a he's a monster. Yeah, I love watching Trey Young play. Yeah, I mean, speaking of the Eastern Conference with Atlanta, they're five and five right now. Um, they have a really good team. They got a couple injuries. I mean, Capella was banged up. Uh, Bogdanovich got banged up. We heard last night, so they get, they got a couple guys out. Uh, Dunn has been missing the last couple games. Um, my top team in the East right now, I have Milwaukee at seven and four. They've been a little bit up and down, but I still think they're the best team. Uh, I, I'm not sure what to make with Brooklyn. I love their roster. Uh, Kyrie Irving is just so much of a soap opera. I just don't know exactly <laughs> what to expect, you know, with him. You know, who knows if he's still on the team or not. They had the against now. They're saying he's out for the whole rest of the week. Philly has got right. hit by the COVID. They Half their team is barely uh, able to play, so they're now at seven and four. I still got them as a top three team. Indiana's um, getting better each week when the TJ Warren is out, but I still like their team. I think Sabonis one of the best bigs in the league. Boston at seven and three, Atlanta at five and five, Miami at four and four, and then I have New York and Charlotte rounding out with Cleveland kind of hovering under there. But I love Charlotte and the young kid uh, Lamelo Ball. Um, I think mm-hmm. that he's he's everything that his brother was supposed to be and more. You know, and I, I'm really I'm really digging this. It's came to um, actually the youngest player in the NBA ever to have a triple double on Sunday. So, what are your thoughts in the East, and who are some of your top teams? So, um, I kind of had the same thought you did with Milwaukee, where you know they're sort of they've kind of had an up and down start to the season, but. I think they're the best team in the East. Um, I think Giannis is the best player in the East. And just uh, sort of a side note and why I ended up going Milwaukee at number one, looking at their their point differential so far this season, the number two team in the East in point differential is Brooklyn at five and a half points. Then Milwaukee's at number one at 11.6. It's like twice what the number two team in point differential is. So I think they've had some really ugly losses, and I think they're gonna they're gonna really fight through that. So I have them at number one, 
And then I put Boston at number two. Um, Jason Tatum's one of my favorite young players in the league. And so it's sort of one of those deals where I think that Boston's got such an incredible player and a great supporting cast around him with Kimba, with, you know, Jalen, um, Marcus Smart, that I'm going to put them at number two. I went Brooklyn with three. I did that before I learned that Kyrie Irving, we don't know when he's going to play again. So let me get back to you once we know more about Kyrie. But assuming Kyrie comes back and plays sometime, I've got him at three. And then I put Philadelphia at four and Miami at five. Okay, yeah. And then at the bottom of the East, um, you have to put the Indiana Pacers in. You've got to put the Hawks in. And then I'm really hoping to see a run from Charlotte as well. I want to see them in the playoffs. I want to see LaMelo Ball in the playoffs. He's exciting, huh? I, I just he I is. watch his highlights, and I'm just blown away, man. The kid, it's only 18, and he's playing, like, so confident. And to me, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's like he is everything that his brother was supposed to be. Absolutely. Yeah, because, I mean, when with the um, – when uh, um, when Lonzo came out, everyone was just so high on him that I mean, Magic Johnson and his whole press conference, you know, saved some of my records and things like that. And just <laughs> I, everyone was high on him, and I just did, I don't see it with Lonzo, man. His attitude just seems so docile, you know. I mm-hmm. you know maybe it'll come out, and he shows flashes of it. You see it from time to time but his consistency is just not there so i'm just like i, I don't know but when i watch Lamelo, i'm like oh this kid is nice you know he he has an up, he can up ball. tempo he's smiling he's having fun you can see the energy you know in his play so i'm i'm really excited with charlotte man i think they have some good pieces i think pj washington's a good player um i i think um they got Gordon Hayward, and I wasn't too sure how it worked, but he's been phenomenal. I mean, he's really... He's on a revenge yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to give it up to the guy. I mean, and uh, they got Graham. You have to, um, Graham is a good another guard they have, and then Scary Terry uh, Rozier. You know, he's been playing pretty good. They got some some decent pieces over their team. Um, and uh, They're building they're something building. in they Charlotte. Are, they are. Uh, what do you think of Tom Thibodeau and what he's doing in New York? I mean, Julius Randle seems to have a resurgence. Um, they got uh, Austin Rivers over there. He's been critical for them off the bench. You think uh, Thibodeau could get those guys in and be a top eight team in the East? Uh, oh, that's, that's a tough one, huh? That's a tough one. So I want to give a quick shout out first off, a little tangent here too. You mentioned Austin Rivers balling in New York. Um, I will always have love for Austin Rivers. I He was one of my favorite players when he was a Clipper. The heart he showed um, – that game when he got in the playoffs, when he got his face busted up oh, yeah. and, and fought through it. I love that guy. I I hope that he just balls out in New York. If I had to guess, though, I think I would put the Knicks outside of the playoffs come the end of the season. And Randall, Julius Randall is playing so well. And it's, I don't trust how well he's playing. Um, I don't, I don't think he's quite that dude. Okay. And, I hope I'm wrong. Um, I never, you know, I never want to root against a player. Yeah, but it's a tough call. The East is kind of wide open, Seth. I mean, I think Randall is playing phenomenal, and that's the whole key. What you just said is, will he sustain it? You know, through the season, mm-hmm. he, he's always had the talent. It's just a matter of him staying healthy and, and playing on the court at a consistent level. He has the the 
talent to do it is just the consistency. And um, I think Mitchell Robinson is a very good guy. I think he, if he can stay to take the next, he was a rookie last year. I think if he can take the next step and progress in, in his career, that will be huge for them. Um, not sure about Barrett or, or they got Alfred Payton. Uh, I think he's a decent. Yeah. But Thibodeau's doing a good job. I mean, right now, I think they're exceeding expectations. So I got I told him as well, I was giving them a shout out because I just didn't see them competing. And they've, they've had some pretty big victories so far this year. So they're a team to watch. The East is really surprising. Um, uh, Quickly, like, what do you think of the, the Wizards? Is that whole situation going to work <laughs> with Bill and Westbrook and that whole crew? I mean, it's... It's it's uh interesting, you know, because everyone thought that would be uh something to watch and you know, I wonder what you think of that whole situation. So, so I'm going to be straight up here and say that I think I'm going to be the last person on earth who still holds on to Russell Westbrook stock. I love the guy. Okay. He will forever be one of my favorite players even when all the logic and all the stats say this dude, you know, does not contribute to winning basketball. I love Westbrook. I hope it works out. Um, I think the big thing that I've noticed with the Wizards has been I really expected Thomas Bryant to take a bigger step at center than he has. And they've just really, their big play hasn't been what I thought it would be coming into the season. Okay. And I really, that's my biggest disappointment with them has been, has been that I think that Russ and Beal can figure it out. Um, I don't know. It, it kind of reminds me a very, very budget level of when Chris Paul and James Harden teamed up. Okay. Yeah. Clearly, neither neither of the dudes are on that same level. But but I remember the conversation was, can these two guys figure it out? Yeah. And there kind of comes a point where those two guys are still just so good at basketball that I'm going to trust them to figure it out and and play well together. Thomas Bryant, I, don't, I just thought it was really good. He, he just tore his ACL, so he's done for the year. But I think he had a true. lot of potential, you know, and he was he had some pretty good games this year. Just I just expect a little bit more from him as a big man to rebound, but he did a great job mm-hmm. scoring. And um, Bertrands, I like a lot. I think he has a good upside, and uh, they signed uh, Robin Lopez. He's been kind of an adventure. Mm-hmm big man in the league <laughs> not like uh his brother but you know uh brooke but robin is is just a tough gritty guy so he's just one of those guys and then our guy jerome robinson uh from the clippers i i don't know why i thought he would be okay what, what, did you think jerome was a, a a wasted first round pick or do you think he'll eventually get it i was i was really upset when we picked jerome um and again, I want to be straight. Like I never root against players. I hope that he becomes a thirty ten and ten guy. I I just hope that for every player in the league. Um, my big, my two big wants out of that draft were Michael Porter and Shea. And for a minute there, it looked like we got neither of them, even though both were available. Uh, we obviously we ended up with Shea, which which was exciting. Um, I don't know. I feel for Jerome. I feel like he got out on a really bad start with the Clippers, you know, he never really saw the court and it's hard to really make an, make an impact or make big improvements when you're, it's so inconsistent how much time you see. Yeah. I think with Jerome, I thought he had a really good shot, but it was just, he didn't seem like the mental between the ears were there. Like he didn't have the Mm -hmm. confidence in his play. Like, you know, that was, I think it was lacking big time with him. You can see he had talent, you know, it just was a matter of him 
being a little more of asserting himself and being, you know, I thought more aggressive. You know, he seemed a little passive to me. Mm-hmm. That was his biggest issue I had with him. But I thought maybe with maturity and age, he could get it. But, you know, and I thought Washington, because of the young play on their roster, you know, that he would fit right in. But it hasn't, he hasn't got much time in, in the Wizards organization either. So, um, no, he hasn't. And, and one thing said, uh, lastly, um, our man Doc in Philly. Um, what are your impressions of Doc? And can he get Philly to work with Simmons and Embiid and that whole roster? And was it justified for him to leave and, and Bomber to let him go with the Clipper organization? Yeah, I think it was time to make a change with the Clippers. Um, I I wasn't all that surprised when, when they let him go. So I, again, I, I want to catch myself here because Doc Rivers, the person, is like my top five favorite people on earth. I love Doc Rivers, the person. Um, Doc Rivers, the coach, I'm I'm less fond of. And I don't know, again, I just have to see it in Philly before I believe it. This So far this season, it, it sort of follows the Doc Rivers template where they'll be really impressive in the regular season. And everyone will say, this is one of the best teams in the league. Then the playoffs hits and something happens, right? Like it always did in LA. So interesting. Yeah. I mean, you know, said doc, like you said, he's so beloved. I mean, even bomber said uh-huh. it, you know, he had so much of a fondness for doc and then just, you know, helping him as an owner grow and in, into being a more basketball minded guy. You know, he said doc was so influ- influential with that. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, doc just helped a lot of guys as far as, just being a man and uh, you know character, you know that was his biggest, for sure, biggest thing was his just um, his influence, you know, mentally upon guys. Now, the, and you know, for his for his influence during the whole Donald Sterling right. fiasco, yes. he has my love forever. Yeah. He is, I I think he's the reason we got through that, mm-hmm. and and I will love him forever. Yeah. I just, I don't know, he wasn't the coach that we needed at the time. I think. Now, one thing... I, uh, like every player, I hope he does well in Philly. Yeah, yeah, and I think he will. I think he'll be better off in the East. And one thing with Doc, I had a hardest time with Seth was his rotation. I felt he didn't play his hand enough, and especially in the bubble, you know, it was. It seemed like he didn't use the right... Like, I thought Joe Kino could have been used against Denver, like he said, uh, how good Denver was with, with Jokic, and mm-hmm. I thought we could have utilized our bigs. I thought Patterson could have been used more uh, Terrence Mann, you know, guys like that, they, they, he didn't, for some reason, he would let guys just kind of suffer out there and not pull them, uh, you know, and that was my biggest issue was, and that's what I love about Ty Lue, he's using guys in first quarter, second quarter, I mean, he's putting them in and say, hey, you know, get it done, you know, so I, I have a lot of, you got talent like that, you got to use it, and the Clippers have so you much do. depth, you know, that was the thing, you got to use the hand you're dealt. Mm-hmm. And instead, we saw Montrez Harrell guarding Jokic yeah. for an uncomfortably large amount of time. Right, right. So that's my thing. You know, I thought, I thought the signing of did you think uh, Joe Kane would be used, or were you surprised to see him just kind of sitting on the bench? I was surprised. I, I don't. Know, I didn't think we picked him up to be a regular season guy. Right. I thought that he was going to be one of those that 
sort of like you know Iguodala was back on the Warriors, where in the regular season he picks up DNPs here and there, and then come playoffs, you know, he's he's contributing. Yeah, so I was very disappointed that we never really saw Joakim in the playoffs. Yeah, I think he could have helped. I think he could have really another helped. big body against Jokic and his energy. That's one thing I loved about mm-hmm. him in his career, whether it's you know Chicago, Memphis, wherever he he just always had that that stigma that you know I thought fit the Clippers you know motto where he was just gritty, grimy, tough, you know, a real energetic guy that could really be a factor against certain bigs. It's like in the playoffs where we I thought we needed him the most. So. At the very least, six fouls, right? Right, right. I mean, just to help with <laughs> keeping our guys fresh, because Zoo and uh, Montrez, Montrez, I thought was so good. I hated to see him go, but I just think he's undersized in certain matchups, and it becomes a, mm-hmm. a really big thing where it's an issue. I really felt bad because if Montrez hadn't played in the playoffs, I think he signs what probably a contract in like the 15 to 20 million range. Right. Right. And And he went to the playoffs and the bubble was weird and he lost his grandma and everything just went against him. So I felt bad. I I think that we're a better rotation for Montrez having, having gone, but, but I hate the way things worked out for him. Yeah. Well, appreciate it, Seth. Uh, Can you let our listeners know where they support, support and follow you on on, uh, social media? Absolutely. So I am on Twitter at uh, at Seth underscore J underscore K. I'm on Facebook and Instagram at uh, Seth Kimbrell. Um, and I write for Clipperholics. So, so toss Clipperholics to follow and read what I got to write. Solomon Holt, my father. A man of many skilled traits. The man was just a hard-working leader, husband, father, entrepreneur. Just uh, overall, just a real man. You know, he really showed me a lot, man. I'm just paying homage to my father who actually passed away uh, just uh, almost a week, not even a week ago, but nevertheless, uh, this show is dedicated to him. I honor him and his legacy. It's just been really hard for me because my father was such a figure in my life. I mean, we really talk sports on a daily. Uh, My love for sports came from him. It started as a young young child and uh, growing up in Linwood, California and my dad would work nights so he would have me record the games for him while he was at work back in the day you know with VCR you just press record and uh, the timer whatever amount of time block whatever but what I would do so it's easier to watch because after a while recording games, you know, you have to fast forward the commercials after you record it. So I would watch the games and then pause the recording during the record the commercial and then re-record when it starts back. So that kind of forced me to sit there and watch the games as they were being played. How that's how I uh, 
gain my love for sports just from watching it so much recording for him while he was at work you know trying to provide for our family working two jobs and uh just uh doing what he had to do to pay the bills and, and take care of us as a family and uh that's what i just wanted to to give uh a little shout out and give my audience a little backdrop of my father uh solomon Holt, who was uh, a great man who would want me to keep working and keep working hard like he did and uh so i'm, I'm starting my podcast back i took a little bit of time off uh it's been five days now so i uh i'm starting to get back going and it's it's been hard so uh it's only right that i send a little message uh just to tell you pop i love you man you will be missed and uh i'm gonna try to fill your shoes as best i can to, to keep your legacy going to pass it along uh, to my boys and that it, it, that's what life uh, is all about and to to do what I can do in, in life in your honor uh, I'm gonna miss you man I love you and uh, rest easy king I'll see you uh, when I get to the other side <laughs>